you have your Bibles. If not, scoot next to somebody who does. And in a look in um, 2 Chronicles chapter 26. We are going to look this morning at Uzziah, the warrior king. I love Uzziah. I, I love the start of Uzziah. <laughs> the first part of, of his reign as king uh, was fantastic, and I love some of the things that he did. Now, as we walk up to this message time, 3,000 years ago was the second king in Israel. What was his name? David. David was the second king in Israel. Saul was the first, David was the second, and David was one of the great kings of all time. And the greatest king in the unified, there were only three kings before the nation split apart, but about 3,000 years ago, David ruled in Jerusalem. And when David died, who became king? Solomon, his son, and he ruled over United Kingdom. And when Solomon stepped down from being king, who became king? Rehoboam, and how long was he king over the United Kingdom? A couple days. Uh, they all got together, and Rehoboam decided he was going to be meaner and more obnoxious than his dad was, and ten tribes left, uh, the, and that became the nation of Israel. Now, that almost happened in America when the so-called civil war, I don't see how it's civil when we're shooting at each other, but the so-called civil war that we had in America almost separated this nation. Uh, a couple years ago, Quebec almost separated from Canada. Uh, remember Yugoslavia? You young kids are like, you go what? They don't even remember the car that you go. Oh, a classic. But uh, they don't know about Yugoslavia. Uh, Yugoslavia broke into tribal states. It is no longer. And so that, that's what happened in Israel. And so the northern kingdom was Israel. The southern kingdom was Judah. And in Judah, one of the great kings was Uzziah. He was a great king and a powerful king in Judah. Now, before we get into his life, I want to debunk a myth that has been perpetuated from this chapter. Look in verse 4. It says about Uzziah that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah did. Well, you realize what this means, of course. Because Ben is a faithful deacon serving the Lord and following him, of course, all five of his kids will follow the Lord, no question, right? Is that how it works? Now, see, I, uh, 28 years ago, I was preaching in Forest Park, Georgia, and I was preaching on this subject, and uh, a man came up to me afterward and said, you left out one of the most important parts of that chapter. You left out the fact that Uzziah followed his dad and did what was right, and if parents just do what's right, their kids will do what's right. Yeah, how's that working for God? Uh, how did that work for Adam and Eve? couple of them did well. Cain, not so good. How did that work for Samuel? Now, I, I want you to, to just look at what God's Word says on this subject, okay? Um, we're in Second Chronicles, and you can mark your spot here. Turn over to chapter 28. Chapter 28. 
All right. Who's mentioned in the first verse? Ahaz. He was 20 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 16 years. He did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord like David his father. All right, look down at verse 27. Ahaz slept with his fathers. That's a very nice way of saying he died. And they buried him. And Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his stead. So if Ahaz did not follow God, what should Hezekiah have done? Not follow God. If it's all about parenting, then Hezekiah wouldn't have followed God. But look in chapter 29, verse 2. Uh, Hezekiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. So he followed the Lord. Now look in chapter 32. Chapter 32, verse 33, Hezekiah slept with his fathers, or he died, and his son Manasseh reigned in his stead. Verse uh, Chapter 33, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. In fact, Manasseh was so evil, he was worse than the other pagan kings. So, if it's all about parentage, then Manasseh should have been Ahaz's son, and Hezekiah should have been somebody else's son. Grandpa did not do well. Dad did great. Son, not so good. It's not about parenting. Praise God. You have an opportunity to influence your kids. But I know Christian men and women today who have kids who have rebelled against the Lord kid who was in the youth group a couple years after me. He's now involved in a cult religion. Uh, Parents, you have an obligation to try and influence your kids to follow the Lord. But you don't have a promise from God that they will. Yes, if you live well for the Lord, they have a better chance of following the Lord. And if you don't, the Bible says, if speaking particularly of fathers, if a father is not a godly example to his kids, it would be better if they were raised by pagans than if they were raised by him. So we have an obligation to try and point our kids in the right direction. And when they do, we rejoice in it. And right now, all five of our kids are actively serving the Lord. All of them... Uh, trying to do something for him, uh, helping and teaching and ministering, and, and we rejoice in that. But we realize that our kids made good choices sometimes in spite of us, not because of us. And, you know, the, the older four would all tell Benjamin that, you know, one out of every five kids walks away from the Lord. It's going to be you. <laughs> he said, no, it's not. I mean, one out of every five is Chinese, too, but he doesn't look Chinese. So. All right, shall we get on with the message? Would that be okay? <laughs> Heavenly Father, as we read your word today, may you speak into our hearts and lives. May we see this example of a warrior king who did well and then who fell. And may we learn from it. May we choose to follow you with our whole heart. Half-hearted service just doesn't accomplish anything of value. 
Uh, thank you that you give us your word, that you show us good examples and bad examples so we can learn from them. And we pray that we would be a good example for others to follow. Now we pray that your spirit will speak into our hearts to encourage us, to convict us, to strengthen us individually, to strengthen us as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Then all the people of Judah, Second Chronicles chapter 26, took Uzziah, who was 16 years old. Wow, how old are you, Savannah? When's your birthday? March 11th. So, say a year from now, we make her queen of Casa Grande. How would that be? <laughs> awesome for you. Not so good for everybody else, okay? Uzziah was 16 years old. He became king. And how did he become king? Well, they murdered his dad. Not exactly the best way to get promoted into king, but he became king. Uh, verse 3, 16 years old was he when he began to reign. He reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. How long has the current Queen of England been there? More than 50. I don't, I don't know, but 50 is a long, long time. Uh, we had one president serve for 16 years, uh, and we can't have that again, but that's a long time to be the leader in a country. Verse 4, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah did. Amaziah had followed the Lord for a while, but then strayed away from the Lord toward the end. Verse 5, he sought God in the day of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Now, um, the prophet Isaiah talks about Uzziah. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Isaiah was influenced by Uzziah and, and strongly attracted to Uzziah. Zechariah was prophesying at this time. And Uzziah is following the Lord. How many of you wish the political leaders in America would follow the Lord? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that? That'd be great. Uh, as Jeff prayed, from the national, federal, county, state, city, every level. That would be wonderful if they would follow the Lord. And we'd, we'd have a different country if they did, I'll tell you that. Um, they, Uzziah sought the Lord. And uh, God made him to prosper. Now, prosperity theology loves that last phrase. You seek the Lord and the Lord will make you to prosper. That's not what the Bible says. John the Baptist sought the Lord and what did that get him? He lost about a foot. He was decapitated. Uh, he, he died for the Lord. His life ended young. He was six months older than Jesus and died before Jesus. So, yes, God can make you to prosper, but there's no promise in Scripture that he will. All right, verse 6. This is the... Memorial Day, warrior king. He went forth and warred against the Philistines and break down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabneth and the wall of Ashdod and built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. How many of you on your way here got out of your house and on your way here had to go through big, huge, barred, locked gates to move across the city? 
We don't live in that culture. But in that day, they had walls around the cities. And the walls would protect people. It would protect the citizens from animals. Uh, there were critters out there. It would protect the people from uh, raiding uh, mercenaries, uh, uh, robbers and thieves. And so they built the wall and that would, a solid wall with a well inside the wall would protect them from uh, armies that might besiege the city. And so they had these big walls to protect the city. Uzziah came along and tore them down and conquered. They were warriors and they, they fought well. Hey, in verse number Seven, God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbaal and the Mahanims. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah. They said, listen, we don't want to get beat up. We're just going to pay him tribute. And they, they did. And his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Now pause there for just a moment. Look in verse number five. Who makes him to prosper? God does. Now, look down in verse number uh, 16. Uh, uh, No, in verse number 15, the end of verse 15, he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Now jump back into verse number 8. He strengthened himself. See, uh, it takes both. God has to strengthen you and you have to strengthen yourself. You can get on your knees and you can pray, God, let me know your word. Let me understand your word. Oh, give me understanding, God. And God will say, pick it up and read it. Study it. It's not this enlightenment that just comes upon you. You know, wouldn't it be cool if you sat down at the dinner table and prayed for food and suddenly it showed up? Wouldn't that be cool? It doesn't work that way, does it? Now, thankfully, you don't have to go out on the back 40 and slaughter the cow and come in to to make your hamburgers. You can just uh, buy pre-cooked hamburgers, apparently. I just learned that. Uh, But you you can get hamburger. You can buy hamburger meat. Here in America, we can even go out for burgers. You can't do that in Cuba. They don't have hamburger for anyone other than government officials and tourists. And it's not very good. Uh, he strengthened himself. You are strengthened by the Lord, but you also need to strengthen yourself. Like James said, draw nigh to the Lord, he'll draw nigh to you. You have to step up. Uh, Peter said, God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. So are you living godly? If not, It's not God who failed, it's you. You need to step up. Verse 9, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem. What would a tower be? Have you ever seen pictures of the old castles? They got the walls and in the corner there's a tower there. And from up in the tower, you can shoot this way and that way and that way and even into the courtyard of the castle if somebody breaks through from another place. And the tower is a, a place of observation, a tremendous field of view and field of fire so that if you're shooting arrows or anything, you got nice open space, easy to find targets. And, and that's why they built the towers. He built towers in Jerusalem. 
to protect the city. Then it says he did at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the turning of the wall, he built up these towers and fortified them. What does that mean? Made them really strong. He didn't just build a tower. Oh, what a lovely tower. Oops. No. He built really strong big towers. Why? To protect against attack. In verse 10, he built towers in the desert. Why would he build towers out in the middle of the desert? Well, there were animals out there. When I was a kid, I was hiking with my dad once, and uh, we were walking along, and up, up like about the, where the top of that screen would be, where that ledge is up there, uh, I came around, there was a bobcat up there. And about as far away as I am, right here to that, only I was a little shorter back then. And, and that bobcat sitting up there on that ledge, and my dad saw it. I didn't. I was about to walk under it. And dad stopped me, and he said, back away slowly. And I did. I backed away. It was hard to go slowly, but backing away was no trouble. And, and he picked up a big stick just in case, and the cat didn't come after us, and we went around a different way. But see, out there... They didn't have big sticks sometimes out in the middle of the wilderness and, and the animal would come up. What would you do? You'd run to the tower and you'd climb up in the tower. Animals aren't really that good at climbing ladders. And so you'd get up in the tower and most of them had a trap door that you'd slam down afterward. So you were up in the tower. That worked when you were running away from bad guys. If you got to the tower first, you could keep them out. That worked when you were running away from wild animals. Uzziah did a lot to protect his people, and that was great. And in verse 10, he had much cattle, both in the low country and the plains, husbandmen also, and vine dressers in the mountains, and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. He, he helped build up the agricultural uh, base of the country. Verse 11, Moreover, Uzziah had a host of fighting men. They went out to war by bands. <laughs> this is not uh, going out to war playing the trumpet, the trombone, and the drum. Uh, by bands, in groups. They were gathered in groups, and they took turns going out and fighting battles so you weren't fighting all the time. When I was in the Marine Corps, we would rotate groups of guys in and out of Okinawa, Japan. They would go for six months, come back for a year go for six months, come back for a year, and there were three groups. So there was always one group in Okinawa and two groups here in the States. And you couldn't get any vacation time when you were in Okinawa. You worked six days a week for six months straight. And then you came back to the States. And that's just how they rotated it around. This is something that Uzziah did way back then. You may not realize that this is unusual. Most kings just had their guys and just kind of worked them to death till they died and replaced them with other soldiers. Not Uzziah. He rotated them through. And he had a lot of guys. Um, in verse 12, the number of the chief of the fathers, the mighty men, you could call these the officers, they were 2,600. Under their hand, an army, 300,000 and 7,500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. They made war with mighty power. This was well-staffed. This is more soldiers than exist today in the Marine Corps or the Navy or the Air Force. Only the Army has more soldiers than Uzziah did. 2,600 officers, 307,500 troops. They made war with mighty power. They had strength. They had ability. They had efficiency. 
But he also provided for his troops. Verse 14, he prepared for them shields and spears and helmets and habergeons and bows and slings to cast stones. So when they went out to battle, they had coats of mail to protect them against arrows and stones slung by the enemy. They had helmets to protect their heads. They had spears and shields and they could fight. And these guys were equipped. Now, uh, that's one of the most important things. If you're going into combat, some of you served in the military and some in combat, going into combat, you want to make sure you've got the right equipment. I mean, even, as, even a cop going into a bad situation today, what does he want on? He wants his helmet. He wants his bulletproof vest, sometimes body armor they put on. He wants his weapon. He wants a taser. He wants a baton. Uh, why? Because we're expecting to get beat up. And so he prepared his guys to fight. Um, there have been scandals in America where defense contractors have produced subpar safety equipment for our soldiers in the field to make extra money. Uzziah would not do that. He wanted to protect his guys and equip them. And then in verse 15, he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. His name was spread far abroad for he was marvelously helped. He was strong. What did these engines look like? Well, uh, it might have been like a catapult. You know what a catapult was? Uh, a catapult was a hinge thing and you'd pull it, pull it, pull it back and then you'd release it and it'd hurl like that and throw big rocks. Some say it might have been like the the Roman, um, what was it, ballista, ballista, the Romans had, which was like a a giant crossbow. And so it had these things, big beams, and they'd put rocks in it, and they'd pull it back, pull it back, pull it back, creak, 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 boom, they'd let it go. And it would hurl stones that could smash through walls and break through the enemy. And the catapults and those ballistas and their sh- great engines. and uh, they, The guys who fought around him, they weren't used to having to deal with this. I mean, they thought if they had a little body armor and a chariot, they were almost invincible. And now here's a guy who's got a stone as big as your chariot hurling at you at 60 miles an hour. Kind of like driving on the freeway or something. Uh, and so he seemed like an ideal military leader. Uh, Soldiers would have been proud to serve under Uzziah, the warrior king. Unfortunately, verse 16 begins with a little three-letter word. What is it? But this is a contrast, a contraction that changes things. What happened now? When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Uzziah, the warrior king, becomes Uzziah, the fallen. Now, we don't have incense burning in here. Some of you maybe been in a church where they do, and they have this little incense and it swings. They got a little chain in this hand and chain over here and the incense kind of swings and they they walk it over here and they walk it over there. And and it's supposed to be just the duty of the priest. Now, 
the reason we do, well, I'll ask you, why don't we have priests? We are priests. Believer priests, according to the New Testament. So when the Bible talks about priests, it talks about Jewish priests in the Old Testament or in the Gospels. In the New Testament, the Jewish priests who were really following the Lord converted to Christianity and stopped serving as priests and started just helping in the church. But Uzziah, in the days when it was appropriate for priests to serve, uh, those priests went in, and Uzziah went in, and he thought, he's king. He can do whatever he wants. He's the most powerful man in the country, and he's going to go burn incense, and nobody's going to tell him he can't. And so he goes in to burn incense, and you know, in that day, in our day, say, say the President of the United States got mad at Jim Reeves. How could he ever get mad at such a sweet guy? But just say he did. And what could he do to Jim? He could press charges against him. That's about it. There would be a trial. And we would all go as character witnesses for him, right? Come on, pretend. Right? Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. We'd go as character witnesses for him. And, and, but see, in Uzziah's day, when Uzziah was king, if he got mad at you, what could he do? Order you to be put to death. And you would be. Or he could kill you himself. So Uzziah goes in and he's got the incense going. That's annoying me. It's probably annoying you too. Uh, he goes in, he's got that insurance swing, uh, insurance, incense swinging, and he's ready to go. And the priest stand in the way and said, this is not right. It's not appropriate. This is a duty of the priest. Verse 18, they withstood Uzziah. Oh, by the way, look at verse 17. Uh, Az- Azariah the priest Four score priests of the Lord that were valiant men. So there's 80 or 81 guys that rush in there. Priests who were valiant men. If you want to stand and serve God, you better be valiant. There's a price to be paid for serving God. You think it's easy for these Sunday school teachers to do this every day, every week, year after year? No, it's hard work. And some kids or adults make it harder than others. And we serve, and there's a price. And so they stood, and they withstood Uzziah the king. And they said, this is not right. You're trying to do what the priest should do. And so they told him to leave the sanctuary. Uh, Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. And in verse 19, Uzziah should have said, you're right, I'm sorry, what was I thinking? I repent. But instead he got mad, really angry with the priest. And while he was sitting there in his rage, gritting his teeth, probably planning what he was going to do to the priest, leprosy broke out in his forehead. And they pushed him out the door. And he kind of ran along all by himself to get out. He became a leper. Uzziah had fatal flaws, arrogance, self-importance, lack of self-discipline. We all know good soldiers are disciplined. He was not. And he would not accept his accountability to the Lord or to other people. Today, if you go to Saratoga, 
New York. There's a monument in Saratoga, New York. It's a monument to the Revolutionary War battle at Saratoga. In the tower, there are four archways celebrating four brilliant military warriors who guided troops to rout the British in that decisive battle. To the east is General Philip Schuller standing with his arms crossed. Can you click that? Standing with his arms crossed like, just try you British people. If you're from Britain, I'm sorry. We won. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, uh, my niece... My niece, who's a British citizen, calls it the War of Insurrection. We call it the War of Independence, right? Uh, so uh, General Schiller standing with his arms crossed. To the west, Colonel Daniel Morgan holding a rifle and shielding his eyes like he's looking out for the enemy and ready to pull that rifle up and fire. Uh, to the north, General Horatio Gates holding a spyglass that he can whip up to look long distances and scan for the enemy. And to the south... Does that look a little different to you? Nobody's there. Why not? Well, it was supposed to be for General Arnold. He was a brilliant military man, but he was also arrogant and filled with self-importance, and he lacked self-discipline, sound a little like Uzziah. He did not accept his accountability to other people, and when he did not get the praise he thought he deserved, he defected. He became a traitor. Instead of fighting for the Americans, he was fighting for the British. And General Arnold had been a great hero at Saratoga. But because of his future actions, they would not honor him in that monument. In fact, his name has become synonymous with being a traitor. General um, Benedict Arnold. And if somebody calls you a Benedict Arnold, it means you're a traitor. Eggs Benedict, however, are good. So. <laughs> Benedict, Arnold, and Uzziah had the same problem. Proverbs 16.32. I want you to say it with me. It's up here. Ready? He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Better than the mighty. God said the real powerful warrior is the one who rules his heart. Uh, second verse, Proverbs 25, 28. Let's say it together too. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. King Uzziah built up the walls of Jerusalem. He built weapons that would tear down the walls of the enemy. But he didn't guard the walls of his heart. King Uzziah could have been remembered as a brilliant warrior king. But in the last verse of this chapter, the, the memorial for King Uzziah, it says, He is a leper. What a sad way to be remembered. General Benedict Arnold could have been remembered as a hero of the revolution, one of the, the great leaders in American, early American history. Instead, he's remembered as a traitor. 
He ended up living in England, and they didn't even like him there. Even though he helped them a little bit, he'd also fought against them. And nobody really likes a traitor, even if he does help you out. In Memorial Day, what do we do? Memorial Day, we look back at those who gave our lot or their lives for our freedom. We appreciate that. When I was a kid, some neighbors who never went to church, every Memorial Day, they'd all get all dressed up. They'd go to the cemetery. They'd put flags and flowers on the graves of those who had died serving their country. We should appreciate those who gave their lives for our freedom. We also, on Memorial Day, should look within. We should look inside us and say, are we going to end up like Uzziah, like General Arnold? Or are we going to follow the Lord and be faithful unto death like the church in Smyrna? Are we going to be faithful soldiers of the Lord? And, And it should cause us to look forward and wonder what will be the legacy we leave behind. I can look back at my great-grandparents and my grandparents who are now all with the Lord. And I can remember going to church with them and singing and hearing my great-grandfather on my dad's side, my dad's grandpa and my mother's dad were both preachers. I can remember hearing them preach. And there's a legacy and a history. What will people remember of me? What will they remember of you? But on Memorial Day, we also should look at the greatest sacrifice in the history of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for us. From his birth, he was the lamb slain all the way before the foundation of the world. As a 12-year-old child, he said, I must be about my father's business. As an adult man in ministry, he said, I'm going to die, and I'm going to give my life a ransom for many. Uh, When it came down to the final week, he knew that his hour was come. He still marched toward the cross. And on his way to the cross, he didn't cry out and say, you people got it all wrong, I'm innocent. He said, don't cry for me. Weep for yourselves and your children. And when he hung on the cross, he didn't say, you're going to pay for this. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to take the penalty for your sins and mine. Memorial Day, we should remember Jesus Christ, who died, that we might truly be free free from sin and death and hell through him. What about you? Do you know Christ as Savior? Are you strengthening yourself in the Lord? Are you serving him faithfully? Are you drifting away? You need to make a stand for Christ. To love and serve the one who gave his life for you.